Morning everyone, uh, I'm so excited to be with you again today and I'm just so excited and encouraged about God and what He's doing uh, in amongst us in our church. Just uh, stories of individuals coming to faith, people who have never ever set foot through a church building or maybe once or twice because they've had to, walking through the doors of our different sites and, and encountering the Lord, or at least saying, I'm exploring faith. People from different religions saying, I, I want to find out more about this Christian faith. Uh, we're seeing growth, yes, in numbers, which is so exciting, but the growth in, in depth of passion for Jesus, growth in disciples. And ultimately, that's what God's asked us to be as disciple makers, to go and make disciples of all nations. There's people signing up to serve. There's generosity overflowing. It's honestly astounding. I, I just sit back and as a leadership team, we sit back and just say, God, the most exciting thing about this is that it's something that you're doing. We can't manufacture this. We can't manufacture what we're seeing happen. It's all Him. And we just get to be partners with Him on this journey. And so we're thrilled but there's always room for more. There's room for more people to come to faith in the city. There's room for more churches to be planted. There's room, for, there's room for more. In God's house, there is always space for more to come to faith. And we're praying for that. We're excited for that. Please be praying together. And if you're here and a friend's sent you this or uh, you're watching for the first time and maybe you're exploring faith, I want to say keep exploring because the Lord has more for you. Now, uh, before we dive in, actually just I'll, I'll stop myself. I, I just want to pray. I'm, I'm excited what God wants to say to us. So, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that we get to partner with you on what you're doing. We're not steering the ship. We're not driving the car. You are. But it's an amazing privilege to partner with you. And so I pray that as we go on this journey together, even as we hear your word today, that you would speak, that you would touch lives, you would transform us, Lord. We're, we're ready, we're open. I pray that you'd work in our hearts this morning. Your powerful, glorious, amazing name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we live in the age of everybody being an expert on everything. We all have strong opinions usually about different things that often we don't know very much about. I saw this picture that uh, someone posted or sent to me. There's a picture of the same person and it said, uh, I'm no longer a COVID expert. I'm now a Russian crisis expert. And the point was just, we sort of are people who because we have this information overload, without doing loads of research, without actually being an expert on something, we kind of feel that we are. So we might share with friends that we know everything about something, we might, we might share our opinions, but is it really truth that we've received? Have we really researched and studied? And I'm sure there are some people who have, but have we really researched and studied? Or are we just an expert of opinion because of information that's flown toward us and we don't even know if that's true or not? You see, because of this overload of information at our fingertips, it's easy to make assessments and decisions without knowing what is absolutely true. Now, the Lord wants us to be a people who are grounded in truth, grounded in His truth, and to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's what we've been looking at through this whole journey of Titus. We've only got two sessions left in Titus. Um, so we're getting towards the end of, of Paul's letter uh, to Titus in the, in, the, in the area of Crete. But the, the, the basis of it is to be a people grounded in truth, which comes from God, and to be a people who live out that truth 
so other people come to the truth. So a bit of context a few weeks ago, we, we looked at Titus uh, chapter 3 verses 1 to 7. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, we, we, we looked back Titus 3, 1 to 7, which is all about the gospel journey. It was all about the, uh, the, the journey from someone who doesn't know Jesus coming to faith. And it was really just, this is why Jesus came. So we looked at that two weeks ago. Now Paul comes in and he does this ultimate, absolute uh, follow on from it, which we're going to see in this short bit. And so um, it's about us being transformed and then to live that out each day as a result of God's grace. And so Paul's looked at this, he shared this. Now look at what he dives into in this last section. We'll read together Titus 3 verses 8 to 11. I'm actually going to unpack it as we go. But this is how it starts. Titus 3 verses 8 to 11. You'll see it there. It says, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things. The saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things. Now, trustworthy is sort of easy enough to understand. It's something that is based on truth. And then it says over there, I want you to insist on these things. That sort of means essential, right? It means these things are essential to us. Friends, you can and you must trust God's word. God's word, what we see in scripture, it's different often to what society says. It's different often to what people would say truth is, but I want to challenge us and I want to encourage us to trust in God's word. It is absolute truth. It is not a truth. It is the truth for us to build our lives on. And you can base your life on him with absolute confidence. He is the rock unshakable in our lives. We can, we can base our lives on him and no matter what circumstances come and go, he is trustworthy. And if you take God's word as truth, the result is what comes in the next verse. So it says, uh, verse 8, it says, these things are trustworthy. I want to insist on these things. And then it says in part B of, of this chapter, it says, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So what's he saying? He's saying, if you have been transformed from the inside out by Jesus, which he shared about in 1 to 7. And uh, if you are grounded in truth and, uh, and you're, you're following it with all of your heart, you will be careful to live the right way. You'll think about what it means to live in a way that honors Jesus. That's just a natural overflow. I've given my life to Christ. I want to follow him and I'm just going to live that out. Why is doing the right thing? It says there, you may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable. Now why are why is following Jesus excellent and profitable for all people? Not just some people, not just people in the church. Why does Paul say that if we live out the way we're supposed to according to God's word, why does he say that it's profitable for all people? Well, it makes logical sense. Firstly, it helps us to walk in the purpose that God has for us. So as we're grounded in his word, we hear from him, he speaks to us, we're listening, we obey regardless of whether it makes sense or not, regardless of whether it's the same as culture or not, we obey. And then on the back of that obedience, we start to walk into his purpose. So we live the best life possible on earth that he's given to us. 
We also encourage other people to do the same. So as we do that, we care about other people. We help them on that journey. It's what we're wanting to do at Harvest through our different sites, starting up life groups, adding to life groups, starting different ministries, doing different trainings. Why? We want to help each other to walk in God's purpose. And then on the back of that, it points people who don't know Jesus to what life looks like with Him. It's so encouraging seeing many people at Harvest exploring, experiencing faith, having coffee, connects and hangouts, playing sport with each other. And as we look different, people start to ask questions and they say, what's different about you? You're living for a different world. You're living with a different purpose. Can you tell me more about that? And so that's why we need to live this life God's called us to. But then this phrase is so interesting. It says, these things are excellent and they're profitable for people. Now, profit refers to generating an increase, right? So whether it's a product or a service, either we create it from scratch or we add on to something we value add, but it generates an increase. That's what profit is. It's a, it's a generation of an increase. What does this mean spiritually? Well, it means that as we live for Christ, we show a broken world that there is an increase, a, a generating within us of purpose, of life, of joy. More than that, When we come to Christ, we actually become in ourselves an entirely new product. And so what people look in and see, they see, wow, there's there's something different about that person. In fact, they're completely new and I want to know what it is. So there's a generating of profit in the spiritual, generating of increase in the spiritual that people look in and go, I want to know what that is. I see value in that. I see something different about that. And so, so I want to find out more. So it becomes profitable for all people. Not only that, as we live for Jesus, we, we bless the world in which we live. We are better neighbors. We're better employees. We're better work colleagues. People see this and it blesses people regardless of the faith that they have or not. So this is why it's so important that we trust in God. Then we live out what he's called us to and we live, out the, live in a way that he's called us to for the sake of the gospel. Then what it says here, verse 9, but... Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So he's saying what's profitable is to live for the truth, to live a life of excellence that's profitable for all people. What's the opposite of that? It's this. It's to follow controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for these things are unprofitable and they are worthless. They're opposite to an excellent and profitable life. And so as a church team, as a leadership, as Christ followers, what do we do? We fight for real theology. Theology, the study of God's word and him, the study of God. We fight for the truth because it is so valuable and important to a lost and broken world. We fight for a theology that shows God for who he is and why he came. Now it says there, when it's talking about it, it says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissension, quarrels about the law. So it's, it's discussions that we have about the law. Now, now, what's the law? Because in and of itself, laws are good and they're helpful. We abide by rules. Well, we should abide by rules, not always in Zim, not always in other places. But those rules and regulations, they're helpful for a, a concerned life, for a considered life, for an effective life. We, we live within different laws. Okay, so, so laws in and of themselves are not bad, but they can actually lead us down a road of feeling that if we follow certain regulations, somehow we please God. That's why there's many people who would say, one day when I get to meet God face to face, 
I think he's gonna accept me because I'm a good person. Now, how do people think that they're good people? Because we think we kind of follow laws the right way. Laws of goodness, laws in our nation, laws of helping other people. We, they, they may be laws that are written out by a country or there may just be subconscious laws that we live by of morality, but we kind of think that we're pleasing God if we follow these laws. But that's just not the case. You see, God is a lot more about our heart behind the actions than he is about the actions. Those actions may be good, but he cares deeply about our heart before him a lot more than he cares about the things that we do. And so Jesus came to fulfill the law, meaning that all requirements for us to reach God's standard were met by Jesus that we could never meet. And so Jesus came, he lived a perfect life that we'll never ever live. And as he lived that perfect life, he fulfilled the laws that we'll never ever fulfill. And we see those through the Old Testament scripture, the standard that was set for the Israelite people, they were never gonna reach. They were never ever gonna reach it. And so Jesus came, he lived perfectly, he fulfilled that law and he said, hey, if you wanna be right before God, if you wanna be perfect before God, you can take on my law fulfilling life. You can take on my perfection. And so when God sees you, he sees me and you, and you'll be acceptable one day, not because of how you've lived according to the law, but according to how I have lived. So we receive his standard on the cross, we receive his fulfilling life on the cross, and as a result, we give our lives for him. But sadly, whilst that's the truth of God's grace, because we're people who love to measure ourselves and measure ourselves against others, we often take on rules and regulations that were actually set for specific time periods and purposes, and those can often become our focus rather than Jesus. Things like, I'll, I'll just lay out a few, things like the date Jesus is going to return. Endless discussions and debates about the time and the day, when's he going to come? That shouldn't be our focus, but for some people it can be. We can let the secondary become the primary. What about things like the clothes we should wear on Sundays? Now I praise the Lord and I'm thankful that we, we're fairly relaxed and casual in, our, in, in, our, in the way that we do church. Jesus doesn't care so much about what we wear. It's about what's happening on the inside. But for some people, what we wear is incredibly important and how ladies should dress in church. And yes, we think there's certain things you shouldn't be wearing, but we get, heart is an awful lot more important than other things. What about the food that we can eat? There's some people who get very tied up, the type of foods that are acceptable to God or not. God gave Peter a vision in the Bible. He said, actually, everything's clean. You can, you can eat anything. You know, be careful about what you eat. You want to be healthy. But these can be things about the law that can tie us down. Friends, I want to say, don't let secondary things become the primary. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's Jesus and his kingdom. Those things are excellent and profitable. Don't get tied up in discussions about the law. And as I said there, controversies, things that are controversial, things that are offsides and farside. Focus on Jesus and his kingdom. So, so what questions do we need to ask to decide if something is controversial? What questions should you and I ask ourselves about things that are controversial, will cause dissension, will cause quarrels? Well, a few questions to ask. Firstly, is it based on the truth of God's word? Are the things that we're talking about and discussing, is it truly based on God's word? Or is it an idea of truth from somewhere else? That's the first question we ask. Is what we're talking about based on truth? Second thing we ask is, does it build people up and make them more like Jesus? The things that I'm talking about and the way I'm talking about them, are they pointing people to Jesus 
or are they pointing people away from Jesus? Great question to ask. And finally, do those conversations and those discussions, do they lead people to the good news of Jesus, which we look, we've been looking at through Titus? Do they lead people to the cross of Christ or away from the cross of Christ? Those are questions you can be asking about whether the conversation that you're having is having the effect it should. Then finally, as I close, it says, as for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. That could look pretty harsh. Why exactly did Paul put that in? What's the point of it being in Titus? Why do we need to deal properly with division? Why did Paul care so much about it? Well, it's because division can hurt the church of Jesus Christ. It can put dirt on the bride of Christ. And this means it has less of the beautiful, wonderful impact it should have in our world. It can dim the light of the church of Jesus Christ. It can smudge the painting, the beautiful painting of what the church should be. And so if someone is stirring up division, stirring the people of God away from Jesus and his church that he died for, we need to be aware, we need to take it seriously. You know, friends, we may like different styles of church. That's okay. That's completely fine. People like different styles of music and some people like lights and some people don't. Some people love um, in-depth, long sermons. Other people like shorter, more punchy. Some people like um, food or coffee after the service. Some people don't. Styles of church is not a problem as long as we love God's church. Style is okay, but we need to love His church. And so the question is, how are you doing when it comes to loving God's church? Are you promoting and uplifting God's church to all that you speak about? Or are you getting tied down in different types of church and styles you don't like? And almost subconsciously, maybe some are doing purposely, but almost subconsciously speaking division about the church, the global church of Jesus Christ. So it's so important that we address division in our own hearts and externally as well. We live in a postmodern world where we can take anything we hear as truth. False beliefs can get out there at a rapid rate. Social media, WhatsApp messages, we can just share things that, that suddenly jump out to us without considering whether these build up God's church or whether they are divisive. So I trust as a church leadership who is passionate about Jesus' church being his bride. We're passionate about harvest, shining brightly, being a beautiful picture to a broken world. We trust that if there's any division that comes, we'll deal with it biblically, we'll deal with it quickly. Why? Because we care about Jesus' church being all that it can be. And so if you know someone struggling with dividing, dividing others, or if you're struggling yourself, and maybe you've only noticed it now, I want you to know it's a spiritual issue. Something for you to come before God and say, God, I just don't feel that I love the church as I should. I don't feel that I love you as much as I should. Please help me in this process. You can pray that God changes your heart, that he changes other people's hearts. Um, I was just talking with others earlier and talking with Don who's filming this, just about how we just love God's church. We want to see God's church grow. We want to see his church built. We want to see it be all that it can be. We just love his church. He died for his church and we love it and we want that for everyone as well. So we don't want to let division get in the way in our hearts or in what we say as well. And so as I close, I'd love us to pray into those three areas. Firstly, that we would get the gospel deeply rooted in our hearts, that what we've been going through as Titus, we would get that. 
and on the back of that, that we would live lives that are excellent and lives that are profitable. And as a result of that, we wouldn't get bogged down, we wouldn't get blindsided, we wouldn't get divided, but we would keep the main thing the main thing and we would live sold out for Jesus. Because friends, time is short. Uh, we were just reading with our girls before I close and pray. We were reading with them this morning uh, from the uh, Purpose Driven Life devotional. And uh, he was just talking about the fact, Rick Warren, that time is the one thing that we can't increase. We can't trade it. We can't swap it with each other. Um, it's allotted to each of us. And once it's gone, it's gone. And so for the time that we have on earth, we as a church leadership want to help you. And we personally want to live for what matters most. It's Jesus and his cause. And let's pray for that this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you're a God who's always working. I want to thank you that you're a God of grace. I want to thank you that you stepped down into our world and you saved us. Not from anything we've done, but from everything you've done. And as a result, Lord, I pray as a church, we would revel in your grace. We would love your grace. We would, we would love the free gift of eternal life all the time. We'd never get tired of gazing upon the cross, Lord Jesus. And as we do that, I, I pray you'd help us to live lives that, as it says here, are excellent and profitable. Father, that our lives would shine to the world around us, that we would be beacons of light, that our church would be a beacon of light, that it would be a beautiful picture, that, that a broken world would look in and say, I want that. I want that because it's something that I'm searching after. And as we do that, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you will save us from getting into controversy, from quarrels and debates that, that don't really help your kingdom, that you'd keep us from being divisive people, that, that there wouldn't be division in our hearts, that we would love the church. Oh, Lord Jesus, your church is beautiful. It's powerful. It's wonderful. It's going to stand through into all eternity. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to be a people and a people who make up your church, who live sold out for your kingdom, as Paul wanted Titus to share with the, the church in Crete, as we want to see harvest and the church in our city and the church in our nation. Father, may we shine brightly so that a lost and broken world can come to faith. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for, for being with us. Um, sort of sort of a repetitive preach in many ways, but I love it because it means that God's really just drilling into us as Paul was doing with Titus to say, keep the main thing the main thing, keep your eyes fixed on me and my kingdom, avoid the things that aren't important, be aware of what Satan would do to tear you down and run sold out in the short time that you have for him and his kingdom. And so I trust that you have a brilliant week. I trust that that's how you live this week. We're here as a church team. We're here to serve and support as best as we can. If you feel like you're bench warming a bit, get in touch. We'll, we'll help slot you in so you can serve for God's kingdom. Uh, but we're excited. We're expectant. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in the weeks ahead. So have a brilliant day, a brilliant week. And thanks so much.